I had actually been doing like a marketing community before that called, um, oh, of course, now I'm just basing on the name of my <laughs> It happens on best of us. It happens to me every time. Marketers Unite. So it was called Marketers Unite. It was one of those names I literally just picked whatever popped in my head. Um, but that started because I was like, you know, as a solo marketer at a small company, I was feeling kind of alone in the, in the, in the weeds and wanted to get network with other people that were doing that. All right, Matthew, thank you so much for joining me, sir. It's a pleasure to have you on. It's awesome to join you, Delton. It's great. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, you got a lot going on. You got Qpilot, uh, did, and, and you got Qpilot, which we'll talk about. It's the, it's the subscription software for e-commerce. Right. Um, but you're also involved in ShareHouse, uh, the yep. big, that big networking community, which I was introduced to by a former guest, Tyler Bender. Um, but tell me more, like, um, are you, how, how did that, I, I mean, I want to start with your story, but I kind of want to dive quickly into ShareHouse because that's a really cool community that you built there. Yeah, well, it's interesting. Kind of like coming at it from a couple different directions. So like Qpilot is an e-commerce SaaS. So I'm trying to sell the e-commerce companies. And mm-hmm. one of the best things for any B2B or even a D2C enterprise is to like try to build a community. So that's one of the reasons why I kind of started it. But the other thing is I'm just really passionate about e-commerce. And I feel like it's an underserved community, right? Utah's got so many great things going on, but a lot of them are SaaS focused because of all the big SaaS companies. So ShareHouse would start with me and some friends um, basically to try to create a place where e-commerce operators, brands, SaaS, service providers could come together, network, learn. So we've got a Slack community. We're doing events. I had actually been doing like a marketing community before that called... um, well, of course, now I'm just basing on the name of my <laughs> It happens on best of us. It happens to me every time. Marketers Unite. So it was called Marketers mm-hmm. Unite. It was one of those names I literally just picked whatever popped in my head. Um, but that started because I was like, you know, as a solo marketer at a small company, I was feeling kind of alone in the, in the, in the weeds and wanted to get network with other people that were doing that. And so it kind of, I was doing that for a while and then kind of naturally just, well, just decided I wanted to roll that more into e-commerce focused community and that's how ShareHouse was born. I love that. Um, and it's funny that you mentioned that a lot of the community in Utah was at least built, at least started building around tech, right? Right. Um, it, isn't that, that's just so bananas. Cause when I tried, like I'm in sales and when I tried to break into like the tech sales, like SaaS sales, um, very, very club, you know, like very, I call it the boys club, but like, <laughs> but you know what I mean? It's like, if you didn't sell SAS, you didn't know how to sell. Like, that's how I felt right. like almost at every interview. And it was just bananas. Right. But then you just, you, you realize like, that's why I really appreciate ShareHouse is like, um, is you just, you know, that there's more to Utah than just SAS. Like we have a robust community in the DTC world, like a right. lot of huge DTC brands, e-commerce brands are here. And uh, so, yeah, it was just, it was just mind blowing, but let's, let's talk about you. Um, let's talk about how you started, Matthew, like how you got to this point, like, but take us all the way back. Like, did you think that you were going to be running a SaaS e-commerce subscription platform? Was it entrepreneurship on your mind the whole time? No, I mean, I, I mean, I'm not sure if you're familiar with this or not, but I was actually incarcerated for a long time from a young age. Oh, so I, I spent that. a lot of, t- I, I spent a lot of time uh, at the point of the mountain dreaming about one day kind of getting out and doing big things. Um, and so about five years ago, I was released five years ago. And so kind of hit the ground running, um, went back to school, finished a degree in information systems. I picked Whoa. tech because I felt like it was one of those things as a, you know, an older guy trying to restart his career, that it would be easier for me to break into something new or newish. Wow. 
And I love always loved marketing, but I thought that it would be hard to be a, a good market, like the competition in marketing would be so fierce. So the irony is that kind of come in full circle after doing an internship with an e-commerce internship up at the U of University of Utah, um, got a good opportunity to help start an agency with another e-commerce company, um, another SaaS provider called uh, Central Hub, their e-hub now. And um, basically ended up being a marketer at a tech company. So it's kind of like s selling to e-commerce businesses. Um, so, so yeah, so for me, I, I did that for a while and it was cool, but it was one of those things where you start to wonder, I, I found myself questioning like the, the ownership, right? Like would I make this decision? Would I do this? And, and what was interesting at the time is you never, you know, as somebody who's working beneath the ownership level, you have a lot of questions. You often think that you know better than they do. And, I started to feel actually started feeling a little negative about it. Like I, 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 people were telling me, well, you don't have all the information. You don't really know what's going on. And that's true. You don't like, it's easy to sit outside that room and point fingers at what people should be doing. But ultimately it came down to, I kind of wanted to prove it to myself if I could do it or not. So, mm. um, so I started like doing some consulting then and started branching out, trying to do my own thing a little bit more. And then an opportunity through LinkedIn came where somebody was asking if, you know, somebody wanted to join as a marketer at a small e-com startup as a co-founder. And so I met David Bradley, the founder of QPilot. We talked a ton, got to know each other really well, understand the vision and what's happening. And and I joined that team um, to be a co-founder with him, to take an equity stake and to try to try to grow the company. And so mm. um, it's been about a year and a half, two years. And it's been uh, like most things, it's been a lot harder in ways that I didn't imagine. And some things <laughs> right. have been easier and other things have been harder, right? But yeah. um, it's been really, really great. Um, well, that's that's a lot of my story in a nutshell. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, if you don't mind, I mean, I don't know how much you talk about your your period of, of incarceration, but sure. like um, that's that's kind of a that's a wild story. Like, how did you um, like how did you stay motivated? Like, how did you how did you keep your mindset right to come out and then be like, all right, I'm out. Like now, I'm gonna start doing these things because that that feels like a big uh, to it is, me. A, yeah, yeah. So I was in I was in for 15 years, which is a long period of time, and I think what it's easy to you know because of movies or stories, you often think that that's like one stretch of like mindset, but it's it's multiple stretches. So like the first mm. first couple of years, I was in a college program and was like really motivated and like. I was doing math classes and doing calculus classes and just trying to really dedicate myself to get good at, cause I was always bad at math. So I was like really working mm -hmm. hard and really motivating. But then as time goes on, like that motivation fades. And so it was around like year nine, year 10, where I had looked back and realized that I had kind of this slow descent of like, I was out of shape. I was like really negative, like really insulated with my friend group. Didn't talk to my family a lot. And I had a, well, I mean, it's just a really almost like a spiritual experience. I was doing some yoga. There was a volunteer coming in and teaching a yoga class. And she gave me this book around meditations. And I did a little bit of meditating and kind of had this eye-opening experience where my life was kind of like nothing of what I would want it to be. And from that point, so my last five, six years out was like this climb out of getting in shape and like, you know, of taking care of my mind and my my spirit and my relationships and stuff. So a lot of that helped me kind of refocus and and a lot of that at that time was all about trying to think about trying to build the life for myself that i would want when i was out and not mm -hmm. even though there was lots of things i couldn't have right like you know it's not like i could date or anything like that um and i couldn't start a business necessarily like there's a little bit of hustling and a little bit of entrepreneurship going on in there but 
you know, a lot of it ends up being negative. Like I wasn't going to start a drug empire or anything like that. That's where, you know, a common form of entrepreneurship. But I did think about it a lot. Somebody got me a Wall Street Journal subscription. And so, I, you know, and what was really fun, I grew up in Utah. So I was, or, or sorry, California. So I wasn't really familiar with Utah. But during all that time, like Utah just started blowing up, like the tech scene and like the jobs and like the development at the point of the mountain around Lehigh and all those areas. And so it's kind of exciting to be sitting on the sideline watching all that happening and then getting out thinking, you know, I want to participate in this and I want to try to build something. And so a lot of my motivation now too is like wanting to prove that, you know, I'm not that person. I'm not that person who I was then that I am now. And a lot of people that have been in that situation can get out and can contribute and build and, um, you know, and then now like proving to myself that I can run a company and build a company and one day have an exit and, you know, um, have build something that lasts and that can help other people. So, yeah. Wow. That's just, that's just, a what a, what an amazing story though, because it, it's, it's, it's just cool because, you know, we, we think about like, I talk with a lot of business owners on the podcast. I talk with a lot of aspiring business owners who, who are my main listeners. Right. Um, and everybody, it's just amazing. Everybody's got their story and everybody's got, you know, the things that are holding them back. But, and then, and then when you hear somebody like yourself, Matthew, who has gone through, you know, one of the extremes, right. Of like having to go through this and then coming out on the, on top. Um, it's just, it just, I, I mean, how do you feel about that sentiment? Like if I can do it, anybody can do it. You know, it's, it's interesting. Like you grew up that way. Like that's the entrepreneurial mindset. That's the American yeah. mindset and being incarcerated and seeing the other side, actually like meeting a lot of kids that had no chance. You know, I, I, I do think there's a qualifying yeah. statement to that where, you know, it's not so much that it's a level playing field. I think that different people are coming at it with different advantages. I think the point though, is to figure out where your advantages lie, mm. you know, like, you know, for me, I'm, I'm five years out and I'm just now the last year figuring out that I'm a great networker and put on events that people really like, you know, like that, that wasn't yeah. something I would have thought about. <sighs> like, you know, yeah, I can be pretty personable, but not yeah. pack a room with 70 people talking marketing <laughs> topics. You know what I mean? Like, well, and, and networking isn't one of those things they teach you in business school. It's not right. It's not. Yeah, I know. I'm, I'm, a, yep. I'm in the, I'm in the middle of an MBA right now. And you, you oh, look okay. at some of the classes that they offer, right? And you're like, all right, you know, I'm in the finance track. So you, you got the finance classes, but, but none of like the, how do you build a community? Like how do consumers right. interact? Like I did a marketing class and it's like, and teach about community that, you know what I mean? And, and uh, a lot of these things that, that you miss, but how did you, because I feel the same way. Um, there were some things that I learned way too late in my life that I, I, I wish I would have known earlier, but everything comes full, you know, everything comes at the, at the time that it's supposed to. But how did you know that like you were good at networking, that you were good at building these communities? I mean, it's something fairly recent. Like, you know, I've always felt like I was a pretty personable person and good at, I'm a child. I always try to be pretty genuine and stuff. And I know people, um, respond positively to that. But I mean, honestly, it was in prison where I figured out like being cool meant like stopping caring about what other people think about you. And so, <laughs> but, but for the last couple of years, I've actually was living with a lot of fear that people would like out me, like they would hate mm -hmm. me for my past or miss things that I've done, or, you know, you can Google me and it's, there's a lot of bullshit out there, but there's some truth to it. And there's like a, you know, if, if that's all people ever read, they're going to think pretty poorly of me. Right. But when, then when people meet me, they have a totally different take and view. Right. So I think, I mean, honestly, a lot of it is I, we, it's learning to like to challenge some things that I think that are hard. Like, so I, I mentioned like not wanting to go in marketing because there's so many marketers like that, that yeah. should, that statement 
should have been should be challenged if anyone's thinking that. Like if I'm think if you're thinking it's too competitive to go into, like one, maybe that means you shouldn't do it because you're not ready for the competition. But two, it actually just means there's more opportunity to differentiate yourself. There's a million marketers out there. Trust me, ninety percent of them are doing some weird stuff or doing it different. <laughs> You know, if you can really get yeah. good at figuring out what works, if you can get good at figuring driving revenue or signups or whatever that is, like you're going to get paid, you're going to build a career, you're going to be able to add value. And so that I think that's kind of what it is. But you also need to be open to new experiences, to testing things, and then also maybe deconstruct in your mind what you think success looks like. Right. Like if you think yeah. that success is building a hundred hundred billion dollar company, you know, that's that's one in a million. Right. So success can be creating value for yourself, good life for yourself, like connections. Like there's a lot of other ways to like, you know, that things can be rewarding and you have to be open to maybe that you're going to figure that out because nobody, you know what I mean? Like we think about what yeah. we wanted at 20 or at 30 or 40, like, you know, even six months <laughs> ago, what I thought I wanted maybe is a little different than what I want now. Yeah. I've always, <clears throat> excuse me. That's why I've always had the problem with like, you know, the interview question that's like, what do you, where, where do you see yourself in five years? I was like, I have no idea, oh, man. Yeah, I've that question. <laughs> I was like, I don't know, dude, 10 years, even like worse. <laughs> but, but I think it's, I think, I think you, I think you said something really poignant and that is, you know, because I've always found one of my big things is like empathy. Like I love studying right. that whole concept and one, and, and what I've come to find is like one of the most unempathetic sayings is like, if I can do it, anybody can do it. But I like right. how you painted. And, and that's kind of why I approached a question like that. Like, how do you feel? Because yeah, I think you painted a beautiful picture, which is, you know, it's, it's finding out what you're good at and where your strengths are and doubling down. Because then you brought up another great point that, that I've actually been criticized for openly a few times. And that, and that is like statistically, it's impossible for all of us to be, elon musk right right like it just doesn't like and 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 by the way if i'm sure if you knew how he lived in real life you might not want that life like some right. of you some people might but some people might not and uh so you just have to figure out like what yeah how you define it and how you uh you know what lens you look through to get it because um it's going to be a lot different for everybody but it's it's going to be how you choose to to live and and i think that that's a i think that's a beautiful way to look at it yeah and i think just honestly at the end of the day like you need to be open to new opportunities and maybe trying something that's a little different like you know i always thought that i would start my own company because i thought that's how i would be successful but you know mm -hmm. i figured out that some of that initial risk and stuff i actually don't have an appetite for that like taking that first idea out on my own totally like <laughs> that actually is really scary but helping other people with their ideas i i really like that like it's yeah. it's it's great for me so, so that's something i figured out about myself so i think like empathy for other people but then being introspective and understanding what works like the end of last year you know qpilot had a kind of a hard year there was a lot of struggles of things we were trying and and you know we were both like david and i were both trying to think about like you know what what do we really want to do is this what we want to keep doing or not and yeah. one of the things he kind of asked me was where I was kind of feeling a little bit like not sure he asked like what energizes you and so mm -hmm. taking a, taking some time to like think about what actually energizes you and I was able to like come back and like you know it's strategy it's planning and I w it drafted this huge Q1 strategy and then we went out and we executed and we had a great quarter so it was mm -hmm. one of those things like learning like more about myself about what I like what I'm good at you know um, you know I'm a great content creator that's a lot of what I do at QPilot and I'm great at working hand in hand with our customers and so that's what we focus on. Am I, am I the most brilliant PPC guy? No. So we don't do it. And, mm -hmm. you know, uh, 
And that's just kind of like how it is. And we're focusing on, you know, we have some long-term plays with content and community because those are my strengths. And that's what's good for the company is relying on my strengths right now. Will that be how it is all the time? No. Like we'd like to hire for our weaknesses and supplement the strengths and all those things. But, you know, we're a small team. We're like seven, eight people. And um, so you, you can't do, you don't have the luxury to like, you know, we don't have a sales team, right? Like, um, anyway. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot that goes into it, but I like how, you know, you just focus on doubling down on, on what you're good at because I've never been a fan either of like turning weaknesses into strengths. Right. I'd rather just, I'd rather just roll with what I'm good at and then figure out the rest as I, as I move on. Right. Um, so I like that. I like that sentiment, but you're talking about one of the things that I'm really passionate right now. And if we, you know, we follow each other on LinkedIn, but one of the things I really love right now is like this whole idea of like this shift in marketing that at least I'm seeing because, and, and I could totally be wrong, but let's explore it because I feel like the paid marketing is kind of going, I mean, I don't want to say it's going downhill because it's definitely a piece of the pie, but I think the content creation and the story that you tell with your content should be at the forefront of most companies because that's really how you differentiate yourself, right? Like it's not like an eye catching ad. I feel like it's, it's long-term growth, right? Like one of the things I read was about Apple, right? And how a lot of copywriters right now try to mimic Apple. But what they forgot was Apple started like back in the early nineties with long form content, educating people and like building a brand and building the story behind it. You know, you can't do it's the one. It's totally different for a really established brand to say something like, you know, think different. Right. And they already have like this super, super differentiated brand. And you're like, oh, yeah, okay. Right. Like I'll you can't, like Q-Pilot yeah. couldn't be like, like think subscriptions. <laughs> like nobody's going to get, they're like, they're not going to care, right? So, I, yeah, I think like there's a term that I've, in a lot of our marketing circles and people that I follow, a, a term called dark social, which I think okay. is kind of changing and influencing a lot of this too, which is to say, that if you think about, and I think this comes back to your empathy statement, think about how any of us actually purchase software, right? So mm-hmm. for me personally, if I'm looking at software, I'm texting with a buddy of mine about like, say, lead generation software on, on link, uh, for LinkedIn, for example. So mm-hmm. like he's, he's testing duck soup. I'm testing uh, octopus crm.ai, right? And we're both like texting each other back and forth on what's working, what's not, how's this going, what, how does this work? I'm like, yeah. you know, looking like I'm not reading blogs to try to figure out the best thing. I'm like going off <laughs> a referral. So I heard about Octopus CRM from like somebody at a networking event like a few months ago. And so and then we're like talking about it and I'm getting feedback from people. So with like dark social, that, that meaning is like, you don't know, you can't measure. Yeah. You can measure clicks on a, on a Google search ad, but you yeah. don't know what's what conversations happening in a Slack community or a Facebook group, or like you meet somebody at a networking thing and you know, you yeah. tell somebody, Oh yeah, I'm, I'm, I do inbound lead gen for e-commerce SaaS. And somebody's like, well, what tool do you use for this? And I tell them, and they're like, oh, wow. And then they go research it and maybe they go talk to another friend and they get another like confirmation that you should check this out. So that's happening a lot. And content is at the forefront of that, but it's content that can be shared and that people are talking about and are educating yeah. people. And then we're using referrals and asking questions. And that's one of the reasons why we built share houses. Like just now in Sharehouse, like I could pull up this, pull up the Slack from like just today and looking at people have questions around any B2B market is here at a tech company with yeah. 10 to 50 sales reps. I'd love to chat with some quick market research on social media. Anybody know anything about Unlift? Is there a job <laughs> board here? Like people are asking about Microsoft Teams, if they've ever used this, like 
you know, it, it's literally just people asking questions, trying to figure out what particular problem is in front of them. And then the community like piles on that and you have people that know about it specifically answering these questions. Yeah. And so that's like where the selling is in the future of like B2B and D2C, because the same thing happens for D2C communities is that people are going to find answers in their social groups. It's no yeah. longer just reviews on a website or Amazon reviews. It's people going like, oh, hey, <laughs> you've used this before. Tell me what you think. Like, how did it work? Like podcasting, right? Like when we're done, I'm going to pick your brain about what it's like. to have a podcast. I'm not going to go read a blog. I'm going to talk yeah. to you. You know what I mean? Right. Well, and I like what you said there too, because two things always stick out to me is like, you know, when I learned about marketing, I, I learned, I, you know, I, I went through a stretch where I really wanted to learn direct response copywriting right. and like, and like this whole thing. And I got pretty, and I'm decent, like I'm not the best, but I, I know enough now. But the one place I always got hung up on was when like these places would be like, well, how do you find out what people are saying? And they would be like these website, like forums. And I was like, dude, nobody's on a forum. I was like, what are you talking about, bro? Um, cause legitimately like everyone was like, even people my age were like, Oh, go to, a, go to this forum. And I'm like, dude, there's no, uh, what do you, I'm like, I, I just always got caught up there. Right. And then when people would post reviews, right. Amazon just went through this whole scandal. I don't right. know if it was a scandal or maybe like no, a lawsuit a or something. Oh, was it a scandal <laughs> yeah. where there was like <clears throat> people faking reviews? Right. Like they literally didn't mean anything. People were paying yeah. to get them. They're shifting so their algorithm like, to, to, put higher priority on recent reviews instead of necessarily people banking them. But um, right. yeah, I mean like you think about Reddit, right? Like the whole idea yeah. of a forum, like Reddit is just one giant forum with all these different topics and people are yeah, launching businesses true. out of these forums, out of these Reddit threads because you know, somebody's talking about the next best slinky and then you have a million <laughs> people who are piling on the thread and going through the website. And that's a good point. That's a good point. Yeah. That's my, that's our favorite story. That was my, one of my favorite podcasts I did when Reddit, when the wall street bets, yeah. Reddit group went, went bananas. I went down the rabbit hole on that one. That's when I got into Reddit, man. But uh, I, I love that. Yeah, I love that. So, so I mean, we've kind of established your story, which I think is amazing, by the way. Um, and, and just, you know, to see where, you, where you're at and, and the story that you've told, I think that's incredible. In, in so, so subscriptions is a big thing, though, right? right. Especially like millennials. Because we get this rap for like almost like you're not going to own anything anymore, and subscriptions. I feel like the the the, I guess if you know the devil's advocate version of that story is like, you know, we've got Airbnb, we've got Uber, like we're not going to own anything anymore, and right. so I'm curious to hear kind of your like how why why was why was subscriptions the thing you went to, because then you have the other side of subscriptions which I think are beautiful like Apple Music. Like right. I've, you know what I mean? Like right, I'll right, have right. that forever. You know what I mean? So there's, so there's good things, but then there's that, there's that, the, that other side that people are concerned about. So what made you want to get into subscriptions? Why is that a viable? I mean, cause I think it is, but why, why, why is that a viable option and, and, and people going to subscriptions? Yeah. So I think that there's like, you know, just to maybe back up a little bit, like if we're talking about subscriptions in general, there's certainly a little bit of fatigue, like all the streaming platforms, right? Like every, right. like, <laughs> yeah. You know, Apple's talking about creating a subscription around owning a phone, right? Like there, there is a yeah, spot, a Apple. sense of that where that's, it's getting a little bit annoying and a little extreme because you know that the business is just literally trying to figure out a recurring revenue model that allow them to forecast <laughs> off of. That's why they're doing it. They're yeah. not doing it from a consumer standpoint, but a lot of the subscription, this, the, the, the core subscription businesses that I work with are related to DC brands like CPG brands that are shipping a physical good. So mm. it's like you're subscribing yeah. to pet food or CBD or supplements or something like that. So mm. it's really all about 
and, and this is where I do think the future is going is that we actually have just barely kind of scratched the surface on what this looks like, but it's about repeat purchase behavior and about engagement with brands. So mm-hmm. it's not about just like, oh, you need dog food every month. So just buy this order and there you go. It's more about like, how can I engage a little bit more closely with you, making sure your pet has the right amount of dog food they're getting each day or each month. Like, mm-hmm. oh, by the way, here's some health supplements that this t- particular breed should be using, right? It's it's all about how can I create a deeper engagement? And and yes, there are financial models that support the recurring revenue. It, it, it's easier to forecast predictable orders from a subscription standpoint than it is from like a past purchase history without geeking too much on finance, but it's, (laughs) you know, it it, it is, it is good for the business. And, and right now, a lot of people like, you know, I don't know, do you have any physical, like I have dollar shave club is one I get, um, I get some hot tub supplies on a subscription and then I get some like vitamins off of Amazon on a subscription. So I don't know. Do you have any subscriptions (laughs) that you have right now? Do uh, I don't right now? No. Yeah. So I, a lot of people I talk to don't. And, and, and I think that subscriptions as they exist right this second are not super popular because there's a little bit of friction. You're always worried about you're going to have too much. Is it going to be easy to manage those types of things? So I think as those problems from a technical standpoint continue to be solved and innovated and so that they're easier, like the idea is right now is you could get a text message asking you like, Hey, you know, Dalton, like you're out of way protein isolate. Like do you, or you, you know, your subscription's about to come up. Do you need it? So you can go look Mm. in your bag and be like, oh, no, I got plenty. Like, you know, I was on vacation, so I didn't use this. No, I want to skip or I want to push my order out. Or you realize like, oh, geez, I'm actually going to run out tomorrow. Can I move my order update so I get it tomorrow? Mm. And so that kind of like flexibility and control is like, I think is, is, is something that's being innovated and implemented right now. And as more (laughs) and more people get used to that, brands are going to be able to have this greater, like, um, stronger relationship with the people that love their products the most. Yeah. When you put it like that, when you put a subscription, uh, you know, model like that, where you like, you're actually engaging with the customers like, Hey, do you need this? I I would feel better about subscribing to something like that. Right. Because I mean, I, I'm always going to need it, but I don't need it this month. Yeah, exactly. And then you trust that brand. So then that brand then adds on and says like, Oh, Hey, like, you know, we've noticed like, and, and like (laughs) real data is like, Hey, people like, you know, the company knows that people at your demographic, your age, your size, your whatever, like, like where you live, that you're going to, we're going to recommend a certain product type to you as opposed to like, you know, maybe my wife is going to get a different product recommendation. Right. And so they, they have data and they have that relationship with you. And so they can actually do a better job of making you a more profitable customer. But from the customer experience side, you're like, Oh wow. Like as long as it's not too much, like I'm not, you're not getting spammed. It's like, Oh wow. They actually, that's a good idea. I'm going to try that, you know? And, and, and that should be the nature of the engagement. It shouldn't be yeah. super spammy or feel like a gym club membership or anything like that. <laughs> yeah. I saw somebody post about that the other day. Uh, yeah. Oh, that was crazy, but um, it's it's funny about the you know just about the whole subscription model, but also like the mobile kind of texting with the way that we do it now. I worked for a company called Via, and that was their big thing. Like like you know messaging was like texting is a big deal, which I which I totally agree with. I, I bought I bought a lot of things through text for sure. Um, but yeah, kind of that, but like more engagement, you know what I mean? From like, and it feels real, you know what I mean? Like, do you actually need this? Because yeah, I would totally do that. It's kind of like that old sales adage, right? Like for me, it's always, it's always beneficial to like 
almost put yourself to make to make the customer to help the customer feel like me as a salesperson i'm i'm being a little vulnerable because i well, the question that i'm like do you need this this month is a right. vulnerable question right. you know and so putting yourself in that position actually you know it's the par- paradox of power kind of thing right which is like you know the, the which is like the more they realize they have the more that we we can work together and, and keep going forward, right? Like that transfer of power kind of thing, right. because it, it's you know I did that in the I do that in sales all the time. Like hey, you know, like <laughs> you know, just but also it's it's authentic. Like if you don't if if they say no, then I'm ready for that. You know what I mean? Right. But but it, but it establishes that that bridge almost. So yeah, I, I think like, like that. Within subscriptions, we talk about like retention. Like if you come at, from the attitude you're trying to hold on at all costs. That's that's yeah. when I say like the gym membership, you know, uh, <laughs> metaphors. Like you're basically not going to let them walk out the door, canceling, as opposed to yeah. creating a relationship where I, I, I think it, it's important to understand that some people are canceling because it's just not working. Like if my if my dog died yeah. and I have a, a pet food subscription and I can't cancel, I'm going to be so upset. But yeah, if my dog just needs a break, like there's a health issue and he's trying something different and you make it really easy. And then maybe a month or two from now, you hit me up again to see if I want to restart it. Like I'm going to be a lot more receptive to that. So I think we need to yeah. look at fringe cases, like uh, maybe not fringe cases, but thinking about like your course group of subscribers are just good. And then there's going to be cool. a certain percentage of them that are changing. Something's happening and they want that control and that flexibility. If they don't, you're never going to hear from them again. And so you need to give that to yeah. them so that they'll come back. Well, you know, what's funny about that too, is like, we, you know, we live in the entrepreneurial hustle culture for better or for worse. That's where we're at. But you know, but one of the things you hear about in this culture, and this is like the funny kind of like, I don't know what to call it, but it's just funny. Like this double standard. That's what I would call it. A double standard in the sense that like we're in the hustle culture and people and and these and these gurus and coaches or whatever you want to call them will stand up there and be like an abundance mindset now buy my thing otherwise you don't have an abundance mindset right <laughs> but then like you get behind the scenes and these companies are afraid of losing one customer right like where's yeah. your abundance mindset now man because like yeah. to me as a salesperson my favorite way to close people is just telling people no right. like hey I, you know what i mean like hey i totally understand it's not working for you sounds like this isn't the right time have a great day yeah, we always think about it too. Like, <laughs> yeah. is, is there a mis- misunderstanding? Like, was there something miscommunicated? Like, you thought we did X and we really do Y? Okay, we can fix that. We can try to fix that or whatever. But yeah. if somebody like doesn't want to work with us, like, why am I dying to like try to like change their mind? Like, I should. It's all about you. You, you want to get those yeah. as many no's so you can get to the yeses. You want to get to the good fix yeah. as quick as possible. Yep. Well, and I teach people like when I when I train salespeople, I go the best way to up your closing percentage is to have more people in your pipeline. Right. Because like if I lose one customer and I only have one customer, like that's devastating. Right. But if I lose one customer and I have nine more, then it's really easy for me to run through the, you know what I mean? And not run through it, but like be authentic because I think you're right. Like definitely check with people and ask and like, you know, ask one more time. I believe in all of that. But it's just funny because like, we lose that abundance mindset when when we're on the back end, when it's like, man, the world is full of customers. And if we're not the right fit, like I don't want to keep a customer that doesn't want to work with me. Exactly. Like Jen, you know, for me and for them, like go find someone, you know, you can find someone that works for you and vice versa. And we'll all be happy. (laughs) Yeah, totally. (laughs) Cause it's just, but yeah, that's just one of the things that just, I don't know, blows my mind sometimes with, <laughs> with these double standards. Well, and, and I don't know. I also get in too much trouble calling these guys out. 
<laughs> I get in a lot of trouble for that, but that that's all right. That's cool. So so when you talk about now, um, <clears throat> I, I, I want to kind of want to get back to community building because it, it kind of in a sense like subscription base, you know, subscription offerings and community building are, are kind of similar. But it's this idea of like, how do you build a community and how do you start like inviting people to the party? And like, how, how do you like create a space where people want to be? Sure. So, um, you know, I'll, I'll get super specific. So, um, yeah. so the marketers unite was the first group that I started and that literally was like last summer. Um, so summer of 2021. And I basically had a buddy of mine that we talked marketing all the time. And I just said, Hey, like, you know, we should have these conversations more often. Like, and he, he and I were both like chatting, we should go get breakfast and invite people. So we posted on LinkedIn a couple of times we were di- doing it. And it was literally like two of us, four of us <laughs> like it was a really small group now when i first started i was like oh man it would be so cool if like there was like 30 people like all like clearing out some like a uh, you know right. original pancake house right and that's not what happened right. that is not what happened but yeah. what it was it was it ended up being really valuable for me and the other people there that we all just got to connect and stuff but what happened was we started getting just a little bit more people and and we thought breakfast would be best. And so here's the thing is like, you are always gonna have assumptions over what you think would work, right? So we assumed that yeah. breakfast would be easiest because people could do it before work. But turns out that actually lunches got us a bigger turnout. So we started doing a lunch mm-hmm. a couple of times, we had more people. And then I did one at a kil- the kiln in Lehigh and we had like maybe 10 people and, mm-hmm. and a couple of people that I knew showed up that hadn't come to one before. And one of them was Patrick Williams, who's just this, great marketer, great guy on LinkedIn, like somebody that I love because of how vulnerable he is and how honest he is all the time. And I've always like looked up to him. He comes to one of these things and he's like, he's like, Hey, you should do, you should go bigger with this. And, and so I should, by backing up, I was thinking, okay, I'm the target market for the event. Like the group is targeting solo marketers at small tech or whatever companies. That's me. What is my biggest thing is I don't have an expertise in all these other areas. So if I can go around and have a few minutes to share a problem and get feedback from the group, that'll be hugely valuable to me. So that was the format is like, basically people would go around talk about what they're doing and then they'd get feedback from the rest of the table, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And so it was very much hands-on like mastermind-ish, like, right, like getting feedback right there. And so for me, that was kind of that thing, right? And so, so Patrick's like, well, you should do a bigger event. And I, and in my mind, I'm like, <laughs> how am I going to do that? Like, so I, I, I was like, okay, well, let me just, let me just see. So I talked to a couple of people and the idea was like, came to me like, oh, you know what? I know marketers that are more popular than I am that have bigger LinkedIn followings and that people would love to come out. I'm going to invite them all to be on a panel. Heck so I invited yeah. like, you know, Lindsay Ivy, <laughs> Madeline Van Hoff, uh, you know, um, Patrick Williams, um, Levi Lindsay and Nick Staggy. So I invite all these people that are kind of my, my, my LinkedIn role models and I invite them to be on a panel. They all said yes. And so this is the other thing too, is like, I just took a shot and just asked them. They all said yes. So they all, they come out, I go to kiln and I ask them if I can use this, the, their main meeting space. And I don't know what they charge or not. I just told them I'm going to do an event and put some people in there and, you know, and they're like, okay, we'll let you use it for free. If you're going to add exposure to LinkedIn. Ooh. And then I basically just kind of put it out there asking for somebody to buy lunch. And so um, I got somebody to spring for for enough money to pay for lunch to put there. And the room was packed and they weren't there to see me. I, maybe a couple people there, you know, were there to see me. Yeah. They were there to see the panel. And the same thing, like, and I'm thinking of how if I 
would was at one of the events, the thing that I always hated is like, you know, a good example is like, you know, the common marketing thing, like you need to build an email list, right? Well, I already know that I need to build an email list. I don't want to be told by somebody at some hugely successful company that I should be focusing on my email list. I want to know the tool you're using. I want to know what groups you are, like what Reddit threads you're in, like tell me that stuff. And so as as an interviewer on that, like interviewing that panel, that's the approach I took is like, I'm not, I'm not settling for a simple answer. I want to get into a little bit. Well, tell me how you do that. Tell me how you do that. And so that's been my mentality with the group as it was Marketers Unite and ShareHouse. And turns out that that resonates with people. They come away yeah. feeling like there's real value at the thing. So, and then what happens is you always, so so that's kind of how things got started. Like, and then, you know, for me, I'm using some basic marketing things, right? I'm trying to create a central location for people to come to. So I'm driving them to a Slack group, right? So I'm trying to do mm-hmm. some basic stuff, basic call to actions, right? Like if we, some of our early events, you know, like, if you wanted the free guy that the speaker was giving away, you had to go join the Slack community, right? So it's super basic stuff. Did any of those things drive like huge signups? No. So I'm not even sure necessarily how valuable that is, but but driving like a like trying to put on a really great event that people really think is cool, it's just this compounding effect. More and more people want to come. They're talking about it. They're seeing about it. And the thing that was most validating for me was last month at our event there was like 10 or 12 people that posted on LinkedIn about it afterwards. And that's the yeah. social reach that I can't get with one profile. I can get off a great post. I, a really great post can get like 15,000 impressions. Most of the time it's two or 3000 for me, right? <laughs> Maybe five. But when I have for you. 15 people posting, yeah, like that's good. But yeah. But when I have 15 people posting, what was that? 20, 30, 50,000 impressions. Like yeah. who knows how much that was? I don't know, but I know that there's tons of people out there that are seeing posts about ShareHouse all over the place. So now yeah. like the next events like, Oh wow. Like we, you, you want to just keep, keep going, keep going, keep going, keep going. And then the community is just going to continue to build. Yeah. I like that. I think one of the, one of the best things there is like, how do, how does information travel in, in today's world? And it's referrals. It's like people to people. Like I don't like I intentionally skip past. Like if I Google something and I'm doing research, I intentionally skip past ads on purpose because I want to see what real people are saying, not what people are paying to, you know, to say a couple things I would add is like, you know, you might have tons of friends and coworkers, you know, like if you don't ask them to help you out or promote it for you, like a lot of them might not think about it. Right. Like, you know, when I had some early events, like I would, share links with people and say, Hey, we'll be post about this because I want to get a little bit more awareness out there about what's going on. Yeah. And people would, and, and, and those things would help. It has a compounding effect. Right. And, um, I just think that it's, we're, we're trying to do it for the right reasons. Like, like, yes, that will benefit Q pilot or my personal brand and stuff. And that, those are good yeah. reasons to do it. But the real reason is we care. I care about e-commerce and our group cares about e-commerce. And we're still figuring a few things out about like what people really want or what people find is valuable. But the mm-hmm. thing is, is like you just don't know a lot of times what value people are taking away. And it's not always about size. It's about like, you know, if you're talking about a specific topic, like sales is really broad. Right. But if you're talking about mm-hmm. like door to door sales, that's a little narrower. If you're talking about door to door sales for, uh, you know, pesticides, like that's even more specific. 
And so yeah, if you want to yeah, create yeah, a community yeah. of salespeople that are doing that, like you're going to get a lot more, you're going to get more people that are coming to the group with really specific questions and problems that you can help solve than you would if you just did some big sales group, because then you're going to have problems all over the place. So <laughs> did you see what I wrote? Did you see what I wrote down? Matthew, what? are you spying on me, dude? You were talking about a marketing group and I was like, I know there's a million sales groups out there, but I had wrote down on my thing. I was like, maybe we should do a discord community for salespeople. Yeah. Yeah, I was, but like, but like, yeah, get get more granular. Like, I and and you know what's funny is like as I learned about sales and as I matured, kind of just going off of this vein, and I'm sure marketing's the same way, but just learn about the different type of sales. Like, I'm right. I'm I'm okay in the B2B world. Like, I did fine in my tech sales, you know, but I really thrive in like retail sales. So like, awesome. um, a lot a lot of those like um, you know car dealerships like pest control, like that's a retail kind of vibe. Right. Um, because you're not like any, what, what's the opposite of B2B? And I would say, you know, it's like kind of like retail, right? Like, um, I work in franchise sales right now, which isn't retail, but, but the, but how you mark, how you do Legion as a B2B person is not the same as a right. retail person. You know, like even franchise, like I can't buy an email list of people's of consumer emails. Right. That's illegal. Right. right. <laughs> Like I can't, you know, I can't do that. So like, how do you do that? And it's so different. And so I, yeah, anyway, just kind of going on that vein, it's just funny because yeah, you just kind of, kind of figure out where, where you, where you settle in and, and there's a whole, there's a whole slew of things where you can build a community and it's just like, you were right, man. Like you can't pay for that kind of advertising. No, you can't. You know, we were we were going through it with Dirty Dough with the lawsuit. Right. Right. I can't get in too much of that, but I'll tell you what, when it happened, my calendar went from five appointments today to eight or ten. Right. Right. And it was just wild how people were like taking sides and like posting about it. I was like, dang, dude. I mean, it's a great thing with social media if you can have something that's a little polarizing because you'll have people coming out of the woodwork on either side to either fight with you or defend you. (laughs) I think it's just important. Him says you should be, try to be as specific as possible. Like with the Marketers United Initial Community was like, I was targeting people that were like me that were, you know, one or two marketers at small companies and that wanted a group where they felt like you don't have a, you don't have coworkers you can go ask these questions of. So you want a group you can go ask these questions of. And that's a lot of our initial members were all that. And it, it continued to grow and grow and like, and people were just using it as a resource for that. Sharehouse is a little tricky because we're going after e-commerce as a whole, but I get around that with very specific topics for events, right? So different people point. come to different events, but, they're, they, well, but they, they still want to keep in touch and they still want to engage around their particular problems. And they know that that's happening in the community because of like that genuine connectedness and stuff. When you bring up a great point, because one of the things that's always frustrated me individually is like niches. Like, it's just kind of frustrating. It's like, okay, retail salespeople, but like, but like this, you know, when I've been in like, whether it's like big sales, little sales, I've been in all of them. Like we all deal with this pretty much the same problems. Right. So I like how you kind of, switched the idea of the, of the niche for lack of a better word, which is like around problems. Like, Hey, so this is like for marketers or like e-commerce and we're going to answer specific questions about like what everybody faces. Right. So it's not just socks or whatever or shoes or whatever, but it's like, we all, we are all kind of in the same boat and we all experience maybe the, maybe the nuances of the objections are different, but like generally we get the same ones. Right. Yeah. Some of the coolest stories I've heard around brands are like, they'll start a discord or they'll start a Facebook group or they'll start a Reddit thread where, um, or a subreddit on a specific mm-hmm. topic, like my feet stink 
right? Like, <laughs> and we're all in this group and we all hate stinky feet. And I'm building this up and having funny posts and people talking about all the different things they do to cure their stinky feet. And yeah, I'm trying to sell like sock odorizers into the group. Like that's why I started it, you know, like, and as cheesy as that example is like, that is actually what's being really successful right now. Because what ends up happening is you find your first group of buyers, the community yeah. trusts you, they know you, they like you, and they're willing to take a shot on your product. You get immediate feedback because they're going to tell you if it sucks or it works. And then those people turn into diehards. Right. And then they're going to invite more people to the community. They're going to get things going. And while you may not invent PayPal or Tesla, like to bring Elon Musk back up, but you can build a successful e-commerce business around the sock odorizers, right? Over glass mm -hmm. cleaners, right? Like yeah. you can do all kinds of things like that and be really, really successful. Um, and that's where the power of community comes in. It's you can get yeah. feedback from people, you add value to people, you give them a place where they feel like they belong, they can connect. Like the thing that's fun about sharehouses stuff is I put a lot of effort into the speakers and stuff like that and the topics. But afterwards, when everybody's talking, that has nothing to do with me. That has to, <laughs> everything to do with everybody who showed up and want to meet and connect and learn more from the people around them. And, you know, I'm usually kind of exhausted. So I'll network for a little and then I'll go check out. But and people keep talking. And that's that's yeah. the beauty of it. Right. Is they want a place where they feel like they can meet and connect and, and feel like they belong. And that's what community is all about. Yeah, well, and that's what, you know, that's what community is all about. And that's also the sign of a good leader. Remember, it's like, well, it's like, were they good even after I left? Right. And if the answer is no, then you really didn't do a whole lot. Right. But if they were good after you left, like, you know, you instilled principles that go beyond leadership, right? Like, nobody wants to be that guy who's like, well, and, and by the way, like, <clears throat> I don't know, I, I love controversial books. And I don't know, one of my favorites is The 48 Laws of Power. Um, I've read that a few times. But There's like a lot of good stuff in there. It's yeah, it's truth regardless. Yeah, of it's just that. <laughs> well, yeah, and 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 I like how they pitch it. Like, you know, Ryan Holiday and uh, and Robert Greene just pitch it like this is just how the world works in a sense. But right. but it's this idea of like not being too valuable. Like you get kind of golden handcuffs on, right. right? And like, but if you can teach people how to like sustain themselves and like grow without you and keep going, like there's real value in that. Um, and you're not tied down to one thing because you're the only person that keeps us going. Right. And, uh, and you, and everybody's got a piece. And, and so you, the, the ship rises a lot quicker. Right. Right. Yep. Yeah. I mean, for, I mean, it's perfect. You bring that up because, you know, initially the first couple of marketers unite events and the sheriff's events I was doing, I would post like six, seven, eight times leading up to an event because I'm looking for the one that will go viral. Right. That'll drive all the signups. I'm doing that a lot. Boom, 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 boom. And, you know, my LinkedIn is great. I, I, I mean, my LinkedIn is like a personal thing for me too, but so I don't want it to, I don't want it to always be just, I'm posting about events I'm doing, right? Like I want to engage and talk about like my life, my journey, subscriptions, cause that's my job. Um, and so for me, it's like a lot of that is that drive of like, okay, like I want to get this to a point where I can post once or twice and that's enough because other people are posting. There's an email list. There's a community so that it's not like I feel like this huge lift to get people to show up. And and that's kind of where the fun part is. Now it's like, you know, we posted a couple of times for this one we have on Thursday and we're going to sell out and there's going to be all kinds of fun and shenanigans. And I'm glad that that Thursday one, will, that, that'll be cool. I'm, I'm sad I'm going to miss that one. We got we got some craziness going on at Dirty Dope, but. But that's cool. So, so uh, I really appreciate your time, though. You've been you've been really generous with it. Um, I'm grateful for your story and and you coming on. Tell everybody how they can find you, engage with you, be a part of Sharehouse, whatever you want to, whatever you want to let people know about. 
Yeah, so I'm really active on LinkedIn and Twitter. So if you want to follow me there or connect with me there, Matthew Holman. And uh, on Twitter, I'm the subscription doc. Um, <laughs> and then you can join ShareHouse at sharehouse.com slash join. Um, I would say anybody that wants to talk about their own journey, hardship. I think one of the things about me talking about my story and my journey is that a lot of people that felt like they didn't have a somebody to talk to that's been there, done that kind of thing, or they have family members that are going through that please hit me up. And if you're talking about subscriptions and community building, like that's what I talk about and what I do all day long. So um, I love helping brands grow their subscription business. And I love connecting uh, with people in e-commerce space. Amen. Thank you so much, Matthew. It was a pleasure talking to you, sir.